Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Ladies and gents, you are listening to Nickish. You got your boys, Mo and Nafi, here on June 23rd, 2021. Lots to talk about since our last episode. And we're going to start off with the East, man. We got to start off with New York all day, every day. But we talking about the same New York team, though? I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, how you doing? You know Good. I mean? It's been a minute since we produced content. I mean, not that we haven't spoken to each other. We're obviously, if people don't know yet, we actually friends offline. Kinda That's crazy, true. Right? That's true. <laughs> we're, not, we're not co-workers here. <laughs> But, um, yeah, man, we're here to talk about New York teams. We are the Nickish podcast, but let's talk about a little bro first. Let's talk about the little brother franchise first, bro. <laughs> I have feelings and thoughts. I'm going to just sit back. I'm going to just sit back. Go for it. I mean, it's not going to be that long, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Let me just take a step back. I spent the entire season, because obviously our season was so good, us being the Knicks, you know what I mean? Like, we had a magical, basically, a fairy tale kind of season where, like, we were supposed to be the worst season, worst team in the league. Vegas had us at, like, 20 wins, and we just blew all expectations away. So while that was happening, like, yeah, I was, you know, you heard me on this podcast saying, fuck Brooklyn, you know, pretty much every other episode. Pretty much every episode, to be honest with you. It was, like, an exclamation point at a certain point. It's like, I use it as a comma. Like, just between sentences, just two thoughts that have nothing to do with Brooklyn, I just throw that in there. <laughs> but regardless of that, I was just like actively trying to just focus like on the Knicks, aside from those those throwaway comments. But then to see me watching that game seven, as the clock's ticking down, it became so clear that the Nets season was done in the second round. That kind of visceral feeling of just joy I had, I didn't know I still had in me. I thought <laughs> me being so jaded and getting grown, I thought those those, those kind of feelings... We're gone. Like, I haven't felt this way, and I'll be honest, I was a Braun hater. I mentioned it mad times. Since the 2011 finals, when the Mavs just made that comeback, <laughs> yeah, right? what a wonderful summer. And I, back then, everybody hated Miami. You know what I mean? The hate for Brooklyn right now is not, it's really not that widespread. You know what I mean? But regardless, when that happened, I swear to God, I'm in an establishment where they, on the big screen, they show just KD, just sad as shit, tired on the bench, head looking down. And all you can hear is just me laughing like the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> just laughing my ass off, mad, belligerently loud, and I don't know, bro. Like there are people out there that like will say, "Oh, you can't really like you can't like just hold this season against Brooklyn or like that they were they had a valiant effort." And that's true. They did have a valiant effort in the second round. Kyrie went down. Uh, James Harden was like a cripple, and KD masterful playoff performance. I'm objective enough to say that. Like that game seven was crazy. Um, that game, what was it, game five, where he played like every minute, incredible, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that man pretty much, the fact that he came back from a torn Achilles to do all that, he pretty much is cementing his legacy as like a top five to type top ten-ish kind of player, you know what I mean, but what I want to say is these people just bring up like, oh, they had all these injuries, otherwise it would be a wrap. These motherfuckers knew what they were doing, they wanted this team, they knew they got rid of all their depth, you know what I mean, for three guys. And it was very clear that when two out of three of those guys have a history of being injury prone, that this was a likely scenario where it would be a situation where only one of the stars would be left standing or 1.5 of those big three would be left standing. So I got no sympathy for them, for for that loss, first of all. Second of all, bro, it's been, they signed, Kyrie and KD signed with the Nets in 2019. It's 2021, you know what I mean? Two years later, one playoff series win. <laughs> like, that's, and you got, I mean, I mean, obviously this context is key, but just like saying that sentence aloud says a lot. <laughs> it just says, it says to me that like, you know, that this isn't as successful as they envisioned. You know what I mean? Obviously, like the very fact that they're home right now, the success was, is, is not where they wanted it to be. But with that, all that being said, I just like I, I said I want to rant for long. But I was just like, you know what I mean? Like, just I felt joy. I don't know how you feel. How did you feel just watching that series 
as a whole and or just how it ended really take me through your mind success is not where they want it to be is is a glorious statement like that's literally what it is and it's it is ain't it and it's fucking beautiful <laughs> you know the difference between the miami and the brooklyn team here is that like even though we or at least i live in new york you don't really see nets fans i i swear i haven't seen a single nets jersey throughout these whole playoffs throughout this whole <laughs> season i i tr- i have to go everywhere i gotta go in the city i gotta go to queens maybe i've seen a couple here and there but really brooklyn jerseys aren't that evident so you said you're watching the game somewhere where there are mad nets fans but there weren't that many like that here so it would have been nice to really shit on more nets fans and i think as the years go on there will be more nets fans just because they have a quote-unquote winning team with quote-unquote mm-hmm. superstars well, I mean, they're literally superstars. KD, Kyrie, and, and Harden well, yeah, are like, superstars. The winning is to be seen. You know I mean, like, exactly. The Miami Big Three didn't get their respect until they actually won. You know I mean, so when, if and when Brooklyn wins, they'll get that respect. But for now, they are a pumped up, gassed up, hyped up super team, the Avengers, basically, and they're sitting on the same couch as the Knicks are. And we were supposed to be the worst team in the league. And they got the fucking Big Three, the Holy Trinity. From like the MCU, but yeah, right. Go ahead. I just and they, they've only won like one series in the last how many years? I mean, when was the, the last time the Nets won a series before this one? You got you got to think back to maybe KG when KG was, was there. I don't even know if they won a series, <laughs> and maybe maybe they made it to the second round then. So, you know, with all the dysfunction that they talk about for the Knicks, the Nets are right there, and they might be in a worse not they might be in a worse position because they got they had. All three superstars played this series. They didn't play all the games, but the games that they did play, look at look at Harden's stats, man. 46 minutes, 40 minutes, and 53 minutes for game 7, 6, and 5. He shot 2 of 12 in game 7. Only yeah, 22 and, points. And he said afterwards he's on like a grade 2 hamstring tear, but like, yo, this is the playoffs, right? Like, first of all, Harden comes from the Rockets, and all I saw just in the, in the basketball kind of like a commentary world were Rockets fans salty about... You know what I mean? All their injuries of Chris Paul, X, Y, Z. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that, like, oh, they would have beat Golden State. You mean, we're not living in an alternate timeline. We're going off the facts. Harden played. You know what I mean? So if you want, like, I give him sympathy for playing on an injured injured leg. You know what I mean? To your point. But he did play all those minutes, right? He's mm-hmm. still James Harden out there. The defense still has to fucking account for him. You know what I mean? He's still an MVP. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kyrie playing, you know, four games or so, and he played okay. He only played 17 minutes the last game, only 11 points. But you know, against the Celtics, they looked dominant. Like games one and two, when they when they killed the Bucks, they looked dominant. I don't know if it was game two. I don't remember. It's, it's it feels like it's been forever. Um, but at least one of those games, they they dominated the Bucks, and everyone thought that they were going to go to the NBA playoffs or NBA finals and win the chip right there. But you know, credit to the Bucks for turning it around. Giannis came back to life. You know, all the all the fucking free throws that he's missing and all the ten second shots that he's taken. You know, he came back to life. But you know, Kevin Durant, Game Seven, KD, Woo. that objectively as a Knicks fan, I KD is nice. That was amazing. That's that's what I live for, and that's what that's what NBA fans live for. Like that kind of performance. That's. You don't see that shit every day, and that's what we watch a whole season for, to see moments like that. And, bro, he was, like, what, one shoe size away from icing Basically. it? Bro, what? if he had smaller feet, we're talking about them probably run, running the table to the finals, bro. Like, and if like, I'm not even going to restrain myself from saying it. If all three of the guys were 100% healthy, which, I mean, the cold cliche is nobody's 100% in the playoffs, you know what I mean? But regardless, people know what that means. If, like, mm-hmm. both, if all of that entire trio is there, I'm pretty sure they would have just mopped up Milwaukee in like five games and we'd be talking about uh, Rick Carlisle, the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that's not, that's not the timeline we're in right now. We're in the multi, in the grand multiverse, we're in this timeline where KD sat on the bench and I'm laughing my ass off in a Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> that's only half full, but that half is his fucking Nets fans apparently, which confused the hell out of me. I was like, there's more people I've seen rooting for Brooklyn than I have in my entire life. And it was all in a fucking... Washington D.C. Very weird. Very, it's very weird. And I, 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 was, I was, was kind of strange when he told me. I was like, yeah, like there are that I'm many Nets fans out there. I was like, KD is from the DMV area and he reps That's hard. That's true. You know I mean? There's that. So it's probably that. You know what I mean, just like that DMV love. But regardless, 
and it stopped me from being an asshole and just laughing my ass off and just like <laughs> I was chanting Brooklyn just like sarcastically just my way out the door it was beautiful <laughs> masterful <laughs> troll job if I do say for my, say so for myself but back to your point though like in the comparison to the big three what I was different for me now than it was obviously back then and it's been 10 years obviously like I've grown as a human being as most people would after a decade but when that happened, I was convinced that, like, okay, now the recipe's out. People know how to beat the Miami Heat. And then they won two straight rings, you know what I mean? Damn near won a third if, like, D-Wade didn't break down for that, that Spurs series. But mm-hmm. my thinking right now, I'm not going to say, like, oh, this is, obviously, I'm not going to be that hopeful fan and saying this is the demise of the Nets. No, it's not. This is, they're just getting started. But, but, I'm a little worried about the news I saw about KD wanting to play in the Olympics in the summer games. After the kind of minutes and load he just, like, put on himself in the playoffs. After an Achilles tear. And I know what he's doing right now is historically crazy. As far as, like, recovery from a Achilles injury and coming in and doing what he's doing. But that's just kind of scary, bro. And he had a hamstring issue during the season, too. So, I don't know if I'm... I, if I was a Nets fan, I'd be worried. Because, low-key, I was praying to God that Julius didn't want to go, like, you know, play in the Olympics. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm kind of worried about RJ, but he's young. You know what I mean? He's, like, 20, 21. But... KD's about to be, what, 33 this season, this coming season? Uh, Achilles tear under his, like, Achilles injury. He has a, he had a foot injury in OKC that took him out for a season. He had a hamstring injury, as I said, this season. So if I was a Nets fan, I'd be worried about that. But, you know, you can't predict injuries. You can't root for injuries. I'm not rooting for injuries. But it's just like you got to look at the history. And James Harden was supposed to be the Iron Man of the crew. You know what I mean? The one that never got hurt. The one that pl- always played 82 games. The one that never did load management. He his fucking hamstring exploded apparently. Like I don't know. So wild. It's crazy, bro. But do you want to you want to just keep burying the nets? Because we could do this all episode. But we are the Nickish podcast. So I don't know. (laughs) What do you want to (laughs) do? Well, you you know if the Nets did make it to you know the Eastern Conference Finals, I figured Atlanta you know would actually have a decent shot with them. The way they've been playing. Like we say, mm-hmm. fuck Trey Young all day, all night, but that's but that's, that's out of respect, right? Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. that is out of respect, and the way they they set their team up, they would have had a pretty good shot, and I think they have a pretty decent shot with the Bucks based off that matchup. So I guess we could we could move on to that one. We got we got, I'm pretty sure game one is tonight, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Atlanta versus the Bucks. You know what kind of what are the key matchups you're looking for before you say your prediction on who's gonna come away with the with the victory. Honestly, I'm going to just turn this into a kind of referendum on Philly because I was, to be honest, I thought I thought the Philly would mop up, like, Atlanta. Like, um, even when Embiid went down, it looked like he'd be out for, like, that series because of the meniscus tear. I was like, okay, I could see, you know, Philly beating Atlanta, like, six or seven, even without Embiid. And then when he came back, I was like, okay, this is like a hobbled Embiid, but he still put up monster numbers, at least in the first half. So I was just like, this looks like, you know, five-game, you know, Philly series, and if Embiid's here. Obviously, we saw what happened out in seven. And, bro, Ben Simmons, like, I know you asked me about, like, the matchups, but this all ties back to just, you watch Embiid out there, bro. In that game seven, bro, he was just looking at Seth Curry as the only reliable perimeter mm-hmm. playmaking option. You know what I mean? Like, Tobias Harris, bro, I don't know what the fuck he's doing out there, bro. Like, how is he getting paid, what was it, 150 mil? Some, some crazy exorbitant amount of money. And he's just missing layups. He's missing easy, like, looks. You're supposed to be the scorer of this big three. And then you got Ben Simmons, who... It's one thing to not be able to shoot. Giannis can't shoot. And this is the cliche you hear from all NBA content creators. But at least Giannis is willing to shoot. You know what right. I mean? And if yep. Giannis is not even trying to shoot or his jumper is broken, he's just going to fucking attack the rim like a madman, bro. And people will clown that and say, like, oh, he has no skill, which... He's bigger and stronger than anybody else. Like, what yeah. the fuck are we doing here? Like, <laughs> like he's not going to use his gifts just to, like, show people he got a crossover? The fuck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> it's like telling Shaq, like, yo, no dunks, just layups. Just show people you got the touch. Why? But <clears throat> Pull up, bro. <laughs> what you right? Doing? Like, imagine like imagine Shaq took that to heart. He's like, oh, I, I, I guess I'm a point guard now. <laughs> no. But with Simmons, he doesn't do what Giannis does. Giannis... He'll get that runway of space from a defender, but Giannis is still going to go to the fucking paint, you know what I mean? And then if, like, somebody like Blake Griffin tries to body him up, Giannis will take that challenge. Ben Simmons, in the fourth quarter especially, he, he probably made, like, he only attempted, like, one shot a game. He averaged one shot a game in fourth quarters in that series. He basically, what he does is he just brings the ball up, 
hands it off and then go sits in the dunker spot, the corner, or like right under the rim to get like the rebound or whatever the fuck. This is a max guy. This is the guy that was getting LeBron James comparisons. You know what I mean? Even young LeBron who had a broken jumper, like he still went out there and did whatever the fuck he could to generate offense. You know what I mean? Like, and then to round that back to Milwaukee, like, yeah, they almost got mopped up. But if, like I said, they would have gotten mopped up by a healthy Brooklyn. But my thing is, they have, they have more creators. You know what I mean? They got like, you know, obviously Giannis. They got Middleton who, bro, he... He came up big in Game Seven, bro. Like mm-hmm. those, well, he took a lot of tough, tough jumpers, and he made them. He's good um, for that closer role. He's very good for. It. He's building up 100%. a history as as a closer. Hell yeah, he was like he had like he was like operating out of the mid range in that mid post area, like he was fucking Kobe, bro. Like mm-hmm. he that looked good, and it's just like in terms of matchup, it's just like I just think Milwaukee's more complete team, uh, top to bottom. Even without Dante DiVincenzo, they got more shooters. Like Pat, uh, what the fuck is his last name? Connaughton? Naughton? Pat Sun, the white guy? Sun. He, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Had, yeah, he was, he was the good Joe Harris in that game. You know what I mean? Because Joe <laughs> Harris stunk it up, bro. You're literally there to be the open white guy, and you don't make your shot? Like, what's... <laughs> why are they paying you? <laughs> but, yeah, I just think... I think Milwaukee's more prepared to exploit Atlanta's kind of, let's say shortcomings in terms of defense, you know what I mean? Because they've been killing teams with hot shooting, you know what I mean? And the very fact that, like, you know, aside from Capella, everybody on the court that can shoot, and Capella makes it up for being, like, an elite, like, rebounder and, like, you know, rim-rolling presence, you know what I mean? So that's, like you said, they're a complete offensive kind of team, and I don't kind of agree that they would give Nets trouble, but I feel like it would be a good matchup, you know what I mean? Now that, like, it's become clear through the evidence that Atlanta is, like, a lot better than everybody thought, especially under Nate McMillan. So I think Milwaukee's prepared for that, especially after a series like this. I feel like this was their finals, like the Brooklyn series. It's like a mental hurdle. It's like, yo, the hard part's out the way. Now we can just play with our food, you know what I mean? But I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to galvanize them. I think I could see them beating, like, to go back to my prediction, I think I could see them beat Atlanta in five. What about you? What are, what are, like, what are some key matches in your eyes to watch? Well, I, I agree. All right, we'll, we'll start off here. Our main issue against the Hawks was the fact that we weren't making Trey Young work offensively right, right. or, or de- defensively. We weren't making him work. His matchup against the Bucks is going to be Drew Holiday. And when you think about Philly, uh, you know, he didn't really have to match up with any guys who were really shooting. I mean, he could have he could have just stayed on Ben Simmons and he would have been fine. I, I don't really recall who he was who he was guarding most of the game against the Sixers. Obviously, against the Knicks, they weren't making him work. But Drew Holiday is going to make him work. He's a he's you know, one of the most, what, what's it, what's it called? Um, he's overconfident as shit. Cause in that game seven, he was pissing me off. I thought he was shaving points. Like, what are you who, doing, Trey? Drew? No, oh, Drew. Drew. Oh, yeah, okay. cause I was just like, but that's good. And a match up with with Trey Young. Okay, yeah, he's, he's gonna be hella under attack. Exactly. exactly yeah. yeah, he's hella underrated. Extremely well uh, well played defensively, and um, you know, I think he's gonna really put the work in for for Trey Young. Ben Simmons, man, like. I, if he if he asked both of us or at least me a couple of years ago, I would have said he's gonna be a top five player in the NBA. Fact, that, no, that's I'd be right there. With you. I think a lot of us thought that because we figured, yeah, at some point he's gonna man up and decide to shoot the ball. But for whatever reason, it's all in the head. We saw that happen with faults, and then for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever gonna find out what the hell's going on with Ben Simmons. <clears throat> but this guy's a max level player. If you're a max level player, and you're not putting the ball up in the fourth quarter. Something's wrong with you. And I think the last four games of the series, he didn't put up a single shot in the fourth quarter, not one. And these are high-level, you know, these are extremely close games where they could have gotten the W. And honestly, Philly, I think, were, I think they're their own biggest enemy in the series. We, there was that one game where Embiid missed that close layup and that would have iced the game. They missed it right there. Game seven, they could have won if they could have, they might have won if Ben Simmons put up that shot that he decided not to put up and pass up instead that was a fucking dumbass move that he did. Um, so With Philly Trae Young guarding him, ironically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to your point. You know yeah, I mean? it was a dunk. He's a six foot ten guy. You know, forget the dunk. I just he lay it look up. Look at the rim, bro. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I, and like again, they were their own worst enemy. Philly probably could have won if they didn't make as many mistakes as they did. But yeah, I mean, onto onto the the Hawks versus the the Bucks. The Bucks. I mean, they're pretty. 
I, I already forgot that they swept the Heat. Like I had to think about it for a moment what their first round matchup was. It was it was right. the quickest matchup. <laughs> they swept them up, and then the Nets they they held their own against fucking Kevin Durant. Um, you said you mentioned top ten player of all time. I, I don't know. If, may, maybe like in a year or so. I don't I don't know if I'd say so now. But that's a I feel like that's a separate conversation. I think scorer wise, you know, top five scorer of all time for sure, easily. But top ten player of all time, you know, we could get into that discussion another time. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, offensively, who's going to stop, who's going to stop Giannis? I mean, Capella is really good in the paint. Um, they might try to do a similar scheme as they did with, with Randall where they were, you know, Capella's always on him. They have, they always have a guy or two on him, but I think they're unlike that, like default, but it's just like, yeah, if like two, they got, they got, yeah, the, the, the Bucks have way more weapons. weapons. Yeah, they got Chris yeah, Middleton, they got Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez is always outside, um, at the three point line. Yeah, that's line. the thing. That's the biggest thing. They got a stretch five that'll bring Capella out the court. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, or uh, out the paint. Um, and we can get into that top ten all time conversation because you know, fucking Bill Simmons had a whole fucking top forty players of all time like uh, episode with Ryan Rosello, and I listened to part of it and I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, there's a reason I stopped listening to this regularly. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's close what it. was he saying? I mean, it was too much to say. But, like, <laughs> he, to be honest, it was, I'll give him credit because he did kind of, there were some dumbass takes he's had over years. Like, he he didn't like Devin Booker because he was just like, oh, he's a good team, bad, or he's a good stats, bad team guy, Trey Young, all that. It's just like basically the cliche white boomer shit. He's like, oh, he's putting up numbers on a losing team. He's not helping them win. It, what the fuck is Devin Booker supposed to do with, like, the type of roster he's been hmm. dealing with out West? You know what I mean? Like, oh, big surprise, they invest money into the roster. Both Phoenix and Atlanta, these guys who have been, like, having bad reputations suddenly look like elite players. No, they don't suddenly look like elite players. They obviously grew and became better players, but they were good in those moments. You know what I mean? They just have the complementary pieces built around them now. But that's just me going off tangent. Like, to your point, or to the, the whole, like, the Hawks-Atlanta series, I think... Not Hawks Atlanta, but fucking hmm. Hawks Bucks series. Yeah, I think, I think Milwaukee wins it. I think um, they would definitely be representing the Eastern Finals. But then again, I, I thought we'd definitely beat Atlanta. So don't, at this point, take my definite statements with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I just feel like with Atlanta, because I think Bogdanovich is hurt, right? Like he got like a knee injury or something like that. I am not sure. Let's see. If he's out for any time, like I think that's gonna really, really affect how things go. And they don't have DeAndre Hunter. That's the crazy part, bro. Fucking Atlanta. He's a game. Going back to Philly. He's a game time decision. Gotcha. So he might miss game one, but I'm gonna go back to Philly and just <clears throat> Atlanta did that with that DeAndre Hunter, who's a big part of their core. You know what I mean? Philly had everybody. They didn't have a major injury. And to your point about like Philly was their worst enemy. Yeah, like, 1,000%. And the fucking enemy's inside the building. His name is Doc Rivers. Did you see that fucking graphic on ESPN? Biggest blown leads in playoff history. Every name is, like, Doc Rivers, bro. And it, like, it's two, like, two random coaches. Otherwise, it's, that's Doc, that's Glenn Doc Rivers, like, list. <laughs> that's his claim to fame. I mean, and people out there will say he's a good coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I think he's been overrated for a while. I've been th- saying this is fucking 2008, <laughs> back mm-hmm. in high school. I was belligerent about it. I was like, yo, this is, this is KG and Tom Thibodeau's ring. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Tom Thibodeau was the architect of that defense. KG was the man holding it down. And then ever since then, what his doc has been doing? Like, he beca- he went to the Clippers. They fell for the for the trap. Like, oh, Doc Rivers got clout. We're going to make him president and and GM. He was god-awful as a GM, which fucked him as a coach. I've said this before. <laughs> I've said this many times. Never and made then, it past the second round. Yeah, and it's just like people, obviously with the Clippers, it was either, it was, if Blake wasn't hurt, CP3 was hurt. It was either or, you know what I mean? But then you got that fucking Houston series. If you're up 3-1 and you lose the series, I don't care what injury, injuries or whatever happened, you know what I mean? No amount of context or nuance is going to change the fact that that happened to you and you're responsible as as the coach, you know what I mean? And it would come fast forward to now, bro. Like, I'm watching this Philly series. I keep thinking to myself, you know, Tyron Lue might be one of the greatest coaches of all time because he just makes it look easy compared to dudes like Doc Rivers. And Doc Rivers, is rep- like, what pissed me off is that he kept playing Dwight Howard. He kept bringing in, like... 
his entire bench, like this mm-hmm. is peewee fucking basketball. Like, oh, everybody gets a turn. Let's all get a participation <laughs> trophy. We'll get juice boxes afterwards. Like, no, bro. In the playoffs, you cut your rotation down and play your best players as much as possible. You know what I mean? Like, and then he started playing Tobias Harris with his bench. But then Shake Milton has a big game. And then he's barely, like, getting consistent playing time. You know what I mean? As a bench microwave scorer, what do you need to get that consistent? That consistency. Tyrese Maxey started bailing him out. You know what I mean? Oh shit, Doc Rivers is like, okay, this kid is talented. Let me play him. Uh, why is Dwight Howard playing in the year of our Lord 2021, bro? Like, <laughs> yo, like, what does he do? You know what I mean? Like, he's he's a big ass rebounder or whatever. But like, if you want to really like empower Ben Simmons, play him at the five. I feel like I've heard that everywhere, and I agree with it because at this point he's six ten. He has no interest in scoring. You might as well just make him your point center in a series like that. Like, run him with a bench lineup of all shooters and see what happens. And, yeah, Philly lost Danny Green. But, yo, if your series is coming down to a 35-year-old Danny Green as the game breaker, then I don't, I don't think Doc Rivers is a good coach, bro. Like, I think, actually, you know, you know, he's a good coach, but he's not an elite coach. and He's not going to win you a championship, I, I don't think. I think he's good for players, but I brought up Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue, bro, like... He will adjust, you know what I mean? That's the crazy thing about him. He'll, he coaches, I say this with all complimentary, he coaches like he's playing 2K, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. <laughs> what I mean by that is he'll run like a traditional big lineup out there. You see it don't work. Next game, he's playing five small forwards in the lineup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's just like, yo, yeah. fuck it. We're playing small ball until the end of the series, and they fucking got Utah out of here, bro. Like, I like Tyron Lue. And then... What made it more satisfying as far as like me being like a kind of a, a spectator or a Clippers enthusiast only because Kawhi's there is because Doc Rivers said over the over the um, summer or offseason, oh, Tyron Lue was sitting right next to me, you know, so I don't think it'll be much different for the Clippers. I remember but, that. What a fucking... You know what I mean? I was just like, bro. <laughs> what a square. <laughs> are you, like, I don't know how to read that, but it, it was disrespectful on all fronts. He was disrespectful to the players, you know what I mean? Disrespectful to Ty Lue. You know what I mean? Like, because what the hell kind of empowering shit is that? And then he, he even clowned himself. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Yo, I couldn't do shit. Why is this guy didn't do shit? <laughs> <laughs> what type of shit is that, bro? So, you know, I thought I would have a long Nets ramp, but now, nah, you know what? I wanted to bring out the Doc Rivers fucking smoke today. <laughs> I got, he's going to, you know what? Daryl Morey's the president there. I want to be surprised if he fires Doc, bro. Because they hired Daryl Morey after Doc Rivers got hired. You know what I mean? So I think Daryl Morey should get him the fuck out of there and then trade Simmons for what have you. But not to go off on a whole tangent, I know we're talking East, but, you know, we, we've been gone for a minute. Might as well cover it all. Yeah. I mean, I guess sticking with the East, a lot of shit been going on with uh, with uh, Boston since the last oh, time since the last time we had a podcast. It's only been two weeks, but so much has happened. Or has it been two weeks? Maybe three weeks. No, it's been two weeks. June 8th um, was the last time we uploaded an episode, so two weeks. Good God, that's Brad like Stevens, news, yeah. yeah, Brad Stevens is no longer coach because he he got the come up. He uh, moved up to uh, a president role, and his first move was to trade one Kemba Walker for Al Horford. The return of the the great Al Horford to Boston, and in addition, mm-hmm. he gave up some picks <laughs> to OKC to get back Al Horford for who knows what reason. So great job, Brad. That was uh, an elite move that you did right there after Danny Ainge steps out. I'll give him. I see the I see some logic in it. I, it don't look good. First of all, you sign like a max contract point guard to kind of step in for Kyrie, and uh, be your part of your big three now with Tatum and Brown. But that was a Danny Ainge move, and I'm just glad as a Knicks fan we dodged that bullet because there was the some Kemba Walker whispers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Kemba bullet. You know what I mean? Like there was some whispers like, oh, he wants a homecoming or it's gonna be a homecoming bra. And then you hear like shit that comes out afterwards when he does sign with Boston. Like, oh, Kemba wanted to go to a winning franchise okay Kemba you and OKC now so um <coughs> excuse me as far as Stevens though um in that move I see the logic in it because Horford's contract it's the same length but it's less expensive um he doesn't have a debilitating knee injury first of all like Kemba's an undersized guard with knee problems now all of a sudden on a bloated contract that's never good and I just feel like uh, like they needed some leadership, at least as from afar, watching Boston. Brad Stevens sure as hell can provide it, so he brought in somebody that could, and that's Horford, I guess. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, giving up a first-round pick to salary dump. That's the one. A younger player for an older player. I've never seen that in my time <laughs> as an <laughs> NBA fan. 
But what do you make of just Steven, just that whole shakeup, though? Like, uh, Ainge just stepping down and then Steven saying, like, you know what? I'm done with this whole career. <laughs> he, he's not even trying to win a ring anymore as a coach. That's kind of crazy. It's, I, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen that happen where a coach decided to move up and not coach anymore. And just right. move up into that, that, what's his exact title? Is he GM, president? Is he just president? Yeah, he's president of everything. President of basketball ops. Basically, he's there Good. Leon Rose now. God damn. It's like. I'm curious on how that happened. If he if he just built a connection, if he uh, talked to the owner, and they're just like fuck Danny Ainge, like like let me get shit <laughs> popping <said> now. <laughs> <laughs> like like little old Brad. Like I call him little old Brad because he looks like a fucking kid. But you know the guy has, you know, a, a record where he he is a winner for for the for the Boston team, and he did really well while they were under under man and young, but. You know, this past season was not a good season for him as a coach. They they didn't win as many games. Jason Tatum developed. Jalen Brown developed. They both got better, but they you know what what was it? They uh, didn't even make it past the first round. I, I don't even remember who yeah, they, they lost got to. Stomped in the first round to Brooklyn. Brooklyn. There you go. Shouted out earlier. But <laughs> yeah. Um. Like they. Yeah. They got killed by Brooklyn, and I'm curious on knowing what's gonna happen because I figure after like that, de- you know. Brad Stevens might have lost his job or he might have stepped down as coach and maybe get a change of scenery, but instead he got promoted. And his first move being getting rid of the starting point guard and, you know, knee issues aside, he was a starting point guard and he was their prize uh, add-on for the last co- from the last couple of years. So do they really have a point guard now at this point? I mean, they, they got I mean, rid they, of their... They could, p- put, they could put Marcus Smart out there, you know what I mean? And as a... Play, uh, the two J's at uh, two and three. It's just really, and then because like the Horford will give you playmaking too, so that kind of balances it out. It's not like Marcus Smart doesn't pass. I don't know. I just, I'm just, I can't shit on them too much because like I'm just trying to look at it objectively. We don't know what Steve is going to be as a president of basketball ops, but their situation, like to me, I'm seeing in two years they're going to have more money, more cap space possibly to play with, and they still have like an elite core. Say what you will, but Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I like that core a lot. For sure. I mean? so, yeah. That's why I'm not going to shit on too much about Kemba. It, it looks horrible. The very fact that you bring in a guy like that, former all-star point guard, you know, to like step in place. And you know, what's wild is people are like, I feel like I have sh- short memories. Remember how like I said, oh, Kemba is going to be a 180 from Kyrie. Kyrie was a cancer. Mm-hmm. Kemba is going to be the leader that they need. And then it turns out Kemba started like being an issue in the locker room because they found out Danny Ainge tried to trade him last summer. Maybe it was Danny. Kemba. Yeah. That's that's the thing. I think Danny's an issue here. Yeah, that's where I was going with this. I'm, like, is that, first of all, my conspiracy theory is I think he got fired and then he just did this whole, like, oh, he's stepping down for like to save face. And my logic is because, I don't know if you've seen, some of his old questionable, a.k.a. racist comments were coming back to light. Like, mm. um, he did say recently after Kyrie said the stuff about Boston that, like, oh, I've been there 26 years. I've never heard of racism. First of all, you're an old white man trying to, like, just, like, <laughs> literally, literally discount the words of not just Kyrie, but multiple black professional athletes. Yeah. Goddamn, the Boston Red Sox put out a press release last summer. They said, yeah, guys, we're racist. Our fans are racist. We're trying to crack down in the stadium. After years of literally, I've seen Bomani Jones on Twitter arguing with, like, Boston-born reporters. Him, a black man, trying to tell them, like, no, there's literally racism in your city. And all these Boston white reporters are just like, I've never seen it. Like, <laughs> not my friends. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> There's no way. That's it, that's just a small minority. And then the goddamn Red Sox released a press, press release last summer at the height of the uh, the quote-unquote racial awakening. And now we got Danny Ainge. I think he said that shit. And then I saw an account where, um, I think this was like two years ago, it was for a comments from 2019 because I think Braun was like talking shit about, you know, the, the former president, of course. And uh, Ainge is just like, oh, you know, as far as these professional athletes go, and I don't care about their thoughts on on those matters or any on any matters outside of basketball. I was just like, they're literally talking about racism and shit, and you gonna say that? You know what I mean? I think all that coming out, I think they literally fired him before it blew up, blew up. You know what I mean? Because mm. the fact that that's not widespread headlines about what Danny Ainge was really up to, he's he's basically a MAGA fucking Utah-born motherfucker. So literally, I think he got, yeah, he was born in Utah. So oh, they, they were right. saying he out. might just go, he might just go take a job with the with that franchise. But yeah, I think that's what it was. 
he stepped down and then to kind of take even more heat off him they're like yo brett come up here <laughs> you know what i mean like he's <laughs> like all right <laughs> it's less stressful and, and then now they hired Ime Yudoka, who which, that was great hire it is but it's also just like i saw boston reporters just like literally subliminally saying like they need to get this hire right and hire the right person for the right perception aka you know you guys uh, need to hire a black coach or a mm-hmm. woman to like take the heat off boston being like you know the the fucking capital of racism apparently i don't know <laughs> but i mean shit it worked i mean objectively the hire looks good i say objectively but you know we don't know shit about coaching we're just fans right but i, I think it made you his resume is pretty good but that's my whole take on the boston situation you know what i mean yeah i just think it's uh age is uh he's getting up there in age and the cranky old white guy was just becoming more prevalent you know what <laughs> i mean and then they just needed to get the young white guy up there you know so <laughs> Happy story for everybody. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on to the West because a lot of shit going on oh, there. Oh <laughs> You want to talk about the games first? You want to talk about one franchise that houses a seven foot three string bean? Oh, bitch, I bean poem, motherfucker. Didn't even think about that guy. Um, let's talk about Dallas and, and just just like what they're. The, let's talk about that dysfunctional ass, nasty poverty franchise. There's so much just disarray going on over there. Could not be us. You know what I mean? I don't even. Never. uh, (laughs) Coaching. That kind of living. Coaching, organization, players, Mm. all turbulent. Ownership. Ownership. Oh, man. People forget. People forget. This man, Mark Cuban, came out after Sports Illustrated literally, like, exposed. Like, three years ago? Sports Illustrated literally exposed, like, 20 years of just sexual harassment and fucking toxic work environment, boss, in in the Dallas Mavs. And this man, Cuban, comes out like, ups. I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> this man is involved in every single inch of this franchise. That's what he's known for. He's just gonna come on and say like, oh, I wasn't aware of this. Yeah. Then the Athletic. Let me let me set, set up the background. I'll throw it to you about your thoughts. But then the Athletic this summer, not the summer, literally two weeks ago, dropped an article that was a bombshell talking about like the dysfunction on the basketball side of their front office. You know what I mean? They apparently. Um, empowered or Cuban empowered a former sports gambler, uh, Bulgaris or whatever, which I actually followed on Twitter. He was smart basketball wise, but he was a pedantic dickhead. Like he just thought he was better than anybody, and apparently that rubbed professional athletes the wrong way. There's <laughs> one thing to be that on Twitter to fans, bro. But he <laughs> apparently Luca hated him, um, and and then Cuban comes on and says all oh, this article is all bullshit. If it's bullshit. Why did your coach walk away and you fire your top like basketball guy, uh, Donnie Nelson? You know what I mean? It's just it's just a mess out there, and I just and then you got like you got like a uh, Porzingis out here saying uh, apparently internally saying he thinks he's much more uh, than his role is. You know what I mean? X Y Z. He thinks he should be that second star. <laughs> what a franchise, bro! Like it could not be us. I can't even imagine. I, mean, I can't. I can't really. Wow, I'm appalled at the thought. <laughs> what do you What do you think of it all? <laughs> I, I think it's beautiful with all these franchises in shambles right now that were connected to the Knicks the past couple of years. As you know, the franchises that are benefiting off the Knicks' dysfunction, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like for Dallas, uh, like Rick Carlisle leaving that that's a big you know. That's a big change for a guy who's been on that franchise for how many years now at this point? Like twenty? I, I don't. I don't even know. I, I about right. I think the only one there that has been there longer is like Popovich. Probably. Yeah. yeah, he's been there for for a hot minute, and the fact that even just last Christmas, Mark Cuban going on Max Kellerman's show and being like, "Yeah, yeah, we still got KP, him and Luca, lethal combination." Max, like, <laughs> you owe the Knicks fans an apology. That was not even a year ago, bro. That was like six months ago, and you know, fast forward. I mean, Dallas played pretty well in the playoffs. Like objectively, they played they played well. And Luca is a beast. He will probably be an MVP in the future. But in the meantime, us Knicks fans, we're gonna enjoy some some dysfunction over at over at Dallas. And I mean, what's what's more what what more is there really to say for that seven foot three guy who's really being exposed right now? And people are understanding that <laughs> it wasn't a one time thing. Like the, the the guy just is a diva and he wants he wants the ball more but apparently you know on the court he can't really he just can't get himself on the court because he keeps getting injured so i mean i I don't know what else what else really is there to say about that no no you know i mean the amount of shit we got for trading porzingis and and especially after we missed out on Kyrie and kd the amount of people that were shitting on the knicks were even making that trade 
regardless of us not getting those guys, the the big fish that summer, that's a good trade. Like at this point, after what KP's become, after the very fact that yeah, there are people out there. Ah, fuck, it was a podcast that I was listening to that kind of annoyed me because they said some shit. Fucking, it was a it was a big one. Fuck. Um, a next one. No, no, no. It was probably a, the it was Ringer. Like an, oh shit, it might have been the Ringer. Was it uh? It's probably some Ringer. I want to say it was Ryan Rosillo on some podcast. I want to. It was fuck. Let me go to Zach Lowe. It was now I'm remembering. It was Zach Lowe. Let me. Let me do some Googles. But this person said, whoever it was, it wasn't Zach Lowe, but he said, like, oh, the trade. Oh, fucking Tim McMahon. Motherfucking the guy that the beat the Dallas beat reporter for ESPN. He was saying, oh, the trade for Porzingis wasn't bad. It was a he said that afterwards. He said that yeah. recently? Yeah, he said this on a recent low post. This was like an episode they taped right before the Carlisle bombshell dropped. You know what I mean? Oh. Uh, I it was I literally like the day before. But I, let me let me go s- ahead. tell you the stupid part with this. So this man says Oh, the Porzingis trade, the trade wasn't bad. It was a contract afterwards. <laughs> you make that trade for Porzingis, not Dallas, but any team that would have been interested in Porzingis back then, you made that trade with the knowledge you're going to sign him to an extension. It's part of the whole package. It wasn't like I'm giving XYZ for just Porzingis. I'm giving XYZ for Porzingis and the extension that Dallas was fucking excited to give. They did not hesitate to give that man $158 million. Fucking the press conference right after they got KP. This man Cuban was up there smiling like an idiot. Saying like, oh yeah, he's ours. He's ours forever. You know what I mean? Him and Luke are ours for the next 10 years or whatever. It's all one thing. You know what I mean? So you can't literally separate the two as if it's two separate transactions. You made that trade with the knowledge that you're going to sign Porzingis to an extension. It's the same shit as when we traded for Melo. We got Melo with the knowledge that, oh, we're going to give him a three-year extension. You know what I mean? So... Right now, Dallas is sitting with nothing but dysfunction. No coach, no president of basketball operations, an owner that's denying it all, a 22-year-old phenom, like a, a, a young player that we haven't seen since LeBron, surrounded by an expiring contract, Tim Hardaway, and Porzingis, who could blow out another knee tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised, you know what I mean? Seven-foot-three, injury-prone string bean that can't post up, can't create his own shot, is a nice spot up shooter, but are you really happy paying 158 million for a 36% three point shooting Steve Novak? Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's my. I've been waiting for this rant, bro. I just I'm seeing it more like a more dysfunction from Dallas, and it's just making me very very happy. It's like it's cathartic in a way. You know what I mean? Because you had motherfuckers like Howard Beck, bro. I hate that dude's guts because he. Unlike the other Knicks beat writers that are trolls or dickheads, they embrace that, right? This man Howard Beck tries to present himself as like, you know, holier than thou, fucking uh, objective. You know what I mean? He's not that, and now he looks like a dickhead because he kept saying, "Oh, this trade will never be a win for the Knicks." What is it now, bro? I saw you see all that tweet where it was just like, "Yo, the Knicks threw KP into the Mavs like a live grenade." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we threw him in there. The whole franchise went to shit. So. Mazel tov, but we we can leave it at that if you want to talk about something else. But like, I just had to get my thoughts off on that. It's been like three weeks or two weeks since we recorded, bro. Nah, man, <laughs> I'm I'm with it. I'm I'm glad you gained this all off your chest. Um, Me too. Shit. <laughs> you want to talk about the Pelicans right now? Because that's I just think that's funny. That's something just to, just to keep an eye on. Not much has been going on there, except and that's the problem because they're not making it to the playoffs. They don't. They're not surrounding the team with enough talent for Zion to take them to that to that level. He sees his boy RJ going to playoffs and, you know, making national headlines as a team that's making it, you know, making strides. And meanwhile, his own team isn't doing that. And their brand new coach got fired after a year. And now rumors coming out that, you know, Zion from, I guess, his family or whatever, doesn't want him to really be on that in that franchise anymore. And, you know, lo and behold, the Pelicans got yet again another franchise player not wanting to be on the team anymore we saw it with this chris paul i'm gonna wait till his rookie contract is done the, the kid's like he's, he's like 20 years old he's like nah, i don't, I don't want to be here no more he legally <laughs> cannot even enjoy new orleans to its full extent either that's the wild part that's like the best town to get drunk in and he's like nah i don't want to i don't even want to wait for that but my theory my, my kind of just brief thoughts on this is just like i feel like that family did not want to be new orleans period and the first sign of any kind of, like, um, issues, they were going to, you know, publicly 
like leaked this shit. You know what and I mean? Why is that? And that's because they didn't want to be there. I think. I think Zion. You heard how we um when they asked him about New York. You know what I mean? Like, what's it like playing in the Garden? This man licked his lips and was just like cheesing. Like, <laughs> bro, <laughs> this man. <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny how happy he got. And it's just like, it was, I don't know, because like he's young and it's like kind of like, it's not like one of those, those regular veteran players that say, like, oh, you know, it's a, the same historical bullshit XYZ that every player says about the Garden. He was jubilant talking about MSG. And then I go back to fucking 2019 draft lottery. It was, uh, word was come, like there was some reports, I think, that he wanted to be in Atlanta because he's from Georgia. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think or something like that, or he's from the South or whatever. And um, when he was at the lottery, he was walking by the lottery set. He was walking by all the seats, right? Then he remember this. He went to the Atlanta seat and he like tapped it like three times. Like he, he obviously had his preferences. I think that's natural. Yeah. It sounds like his family realizes the clout that Zion has, and they're gonna wield it to try to get him out of there. And I was just thinking they're waiting. And my theory is they were waiting for the slightest kind of hint of dysfunction or underachieving, and then you know. Getting rid of a coach they just hot like hired less than a year ago is that is that you know what I mean is that's the point where they're just like okay now we're gonna leak that uh, uh, uh his family isn't happy and I think the next step is gonna be oh Zion himself isn't happy you know what I mean so interesting this is my brief theory I mean I only see thought Stan Van you know was gonna be good for him you know like let me ask you this let me ask you this is another uh, kind of scenario I had in my head in in another timeline. You would think Stan Van Gundy would be what Tibbs was for us, right? Like, he would go in there and have them overachieve and get to, like, a top five seed, right? That's what a lot of people said. They were like, yo, New Orleans is, like, league pass. Uh, you got to add them to your league pass list. They're the number one, right? Like, Yeah, I think I think a lot of people thought that. And I think some of it, you know, obviously he brought the Magic to the finals way back when with Dwight Howard, prime Dwight Howard, who, who was a crazy fucking player. And I think a lot of people think that when you bring a new coach in to coach – Zion and Brandon Brandon Ingram and Lonzo that you know that's a team that's prop that could objectively be better than the eighth seed of this year you know they, they should have been better than the Grizzlies they should have maybe even been better than Dallas to to an extent and they they couldn't do it and I think some of it at least me you know I I thought objectively yeah sure he I, I like Stan I I thought he was good with with the Magic and in, in their heyday and I think subjectively I was like, yeah, yo, this guy really knows what he's talking about when he was on ESPN a lot. He was talking about, and he was tweeting left and right about, like, real-life shit that was going on during the pandemic and, you know, all the, you know, all, all the different events that, that were going on. He was, he seemed like a guy that really connected with people. And I was like, all right, shit, like, yeah, this guy, no basketball, basketball aside, is a, is a, is a good guy, and he is an experienced coach, and he does have that pedigree. Yeah, fuck it, bring him to New Orleans, and he'll get that team going. And obviously, you know, that didn't happen. Man's probably gonna go back to ESPN, gonna go back to to them tweets and do what he what he I does best it, now. Man. Yeah, I respect that he's gonna go back to professionally tweeting, gonna be talking about basketball on TV, and he's he, his contract is gonna be paid for like the next three years too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's he's. That's a good life, you know what I mean? Like, good for you, Stan. Like, he might not be able to coach no more or connect with the young players, but in that ironic too, that's that's another comparison that came up to me. Tibbs was like the one that people were saying like, oh, he's not gonna be able to connect with the young players. And then, what do we hear all season? Like, yeah, J, J, Julius Randle go on JJ Reddick's podcast and say he's a softy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You had like obviously RJ and every young kid buying in. So shit, bro. Like, knock on wood, we had like the season for fairy tales. You know what I mean? And I think right about now is a good time to pivot to the Knicks, right? Let's like, do it. Let's let's lay down the list of accomplishments our guys have picked up since we last recorded. Two weeks. It has only been two weeks, and it feels like it's <laughs> been much longer. Let's yeah. let's start off with. Uh, well, you you mentioned the name already, and that's probably the biggest. Uh, uh, do you want to start high? You want to start low? We are we winning in every direction. Start You're right. In any direction. Fuck it. <laughs> you, you mentioned the name already. Our guy, our coach, Tom Thibodeau, was named head coach of the year. And, yes, you know, a lot of people point at Monty Williams, who obviously to this day is still doing an excellent job leading the Suns to, you know, possibly the NBA Finals. They're up 2-0 right now against the Clippers. But our guy came in, coach of the year, turned his franchise from a – you know, however many wins they had last season to a 43 win this season, and 
What was the last season? Like at this point, I'm blanking out. It's been a long day after work. What, 25 wins. What what we get our, in 2019? 2020. 2019. No, whoops. 2020. Shit, bro. I mean, nah. Fuck that. We're 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 on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it don't matter. Right it don't we're, matter. We're, we we we're on that never never care about the past shit right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we got like plus 20 games and, and then some. And uh, you know, he basically started the culture part of. The organization and, and and the and the journey of the Knicks eventually hopefully winning a championship. First step was culture, and he he established that in his own way. All the players bought in, and everyone leveled up at this point. And we're and you know if he, unless you got anything else to say about Tibbs, we can go on to the first guy that he leveled up. I got a few things. Just the fact that I feel vindicated that me a decade ago who was pining for a Chicago Tibbs, who even just last year was like going back and forth with you about mm-hmm. Tibbs. Yep. Versus Admittedly. Mike Miller. Yo, I was listening to that episode. Whew, you had Mike Miller above Kenny Atkinson in yeah. tips, bro. I don't even know where that man is employed right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if he's even in the business of basketball Yo, anymore. I, I think he's... He might be like running a warehouse somewhere. <laughs> but I, no, I think on it, I think he's at the pits of Oak of Oklahoma City. I, I I think he's over there. Might be. He might be watching them kids play. Yeah, I'm not even doing that to clown, bro, because at the end of the day, like, everybody was wrong about this next team in some way or another, but I feel vindication just for, like, being pro-tibs and kind of even just defending his honor, even no when doubt. he wasn't even connected to us. Like, when when he got fired from Minnesota, I wasn't 100, like, I wasn't one of those people that just like, oh, he's done. Like, he's he can't connect with the stars no more. He's, uh, the league is passing by. I was just like, bro, like. He it might not have been the ideal experience, but this guy is a tape grinder, a man that will analyze like why he got a hangnail. You know what I mean? He'll sit in a room and just like look at his finger for fucking 30, 30 minutes and real try to figure that shit out. You know what I mean? So I figured he would go back to the drawing board and just rebuild. And obviously, I realized maybe the next destination, no team would be foolish enough to just give him all the power. Like, literally the top two positions. I don't think we're ever going to see that again just because I don't think it works well. Mm-hmm. But with Tibbs, bro, he deserved it. I think Monty Williams was also a great candidate as well. Like, a lot of people, I, I do believe in the Chris Paul effect where, where he goes to a franchise and everything gets fixed. But that doesn't take away from Monty Williams being a good coach. I think he was part of that recipe too. And if he won it, I wouldn't have been mad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Tibbs definitely deserved it. And... Yo, Randall, like like you said, he's the man that upgraded and stepped up. And I feel like Tibbs had a lot to do with that. And because Randall always said he wanted coaches to hold him accountable. Shit, bro, all NBA. You know what I mean? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Because I know we touched on a lot in terms of Randall's playoff shortcomings. But I think this is a good moment for us to at least take another step back and appreciate what he did this season. Not that we weren't during the season, because I feel like every other episode we were just like in disbelief. <laughs> we, we, was, we was recording like after the games, we were just like, yo. He really did this. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on him getting the uh, All-NBA second team? Um, Hold on. I'm trying to see how many how many games did he play this season. He played – fuck, what is it? Hold on. I don't think he missed a game, did he? Did he play, like, all 72? No, I, think I don't he missed one. What... Did he? he? He missed two. How many games were there, 72 or 73? There were 72 games, so he missed one. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Fuck, dude. I mean, we had on one of our – last two or so episodes where we were talking about All-NBA and where we think that Randall could be. And I think we both agree that he definitely should be on it. It was just a matter of whether it's second team or third team. And we see that he deservedly got All-NBA second team. And we think about the players who didn't make it. And, you know, probably the biggest name there that didn't make it for that position was KD. And, you know, that that guy didn't really play as many games, obviously. But you know, 71 games, let's read out these stats. 71 games, 24 per game. Three turnovers only. Uh, well, actually, 3.4, uh, whatever. Uh, total rebound is 10, and assists was 6. And the most uh, most impressive part was the efficiency throughout it. So four, almost 46%, 41% from the 3, and his free throw percentage was 81, all career highs. And like you said, it was it was Tibbs. It was, a lot of it was... Uh, you know, assistant coaching, and a lot of it was Julius Randle establishing that culture, being the guy who from day one of the summer was basically like, yo, I'm in the gym day in, day out. He took all the criticism from all Knicks fans, the media, everybody who was, you know, clowning him for getting that contract and being kind of a, a plan C even for, for that summer where he was signed uh, to the Knicks and, you know, 
establishing himself as a cornerstone for the for the Knicks for you know the next few years, pretty much. So deservedly so. I'm happy. I, I know you're happy, and uh, fuck, Julius is happy. He got that bonus. Yeah, I'm. I'm no doubt happy, but I'm also kind of got like that 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 Knicks PTSD. Like, yo, what if? Not saying it'll happen. Not predicting it'll happen. Not even saying there's a high chance it'll happen. What if he falls back down to earth? You know what I mean? Because while like the part of the season, the beginning part of the season, where I was kind of like. We were still in like that anti Randall mindset where I know even afterwards we had to begrudgingly say, Oh, Randall had a good game. Mm-hmm. We, we, I remember vividly, we just like, Oh, he did a good game, but I'd still ship his ass off for Buddy Healed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and that disbelief was there for a reason because the way he was doing it, like, like those, the hit, he became a perimeter player. Like, all credit to him to completely changing his game from like being a finisher slash post up guy to a perimeter creator and like point forward, but. He was living in the mid-range. He was living in, like, the mellow range. And he was putting up, like, damn near elite numbers, pulling up from mid-range, especially with con- contested mid-rangers. You know what I mean? That fell apart in the playoffs, and I also feel like I was mental. But some part of me is worried that, like, yo, what if that shooting is kind of an aberration? Because a lot of those games, the majority of the season, was empty arenas. You know what I mean? Like, we see it all the time, like, in, you know... It's not the same one-to-one comparison, but, like, you know, you see NBA players doing some wild shit and open runs in gyms against other NBA players that they never do in real life. Like, Mitch. Like, last year, this man was looking like fucking a big-ass Magic Johnson with his handles videos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then he, yeah. not, he doesn't pull out not one of them shits in a game. So, I don't know. Like, that that's just the Knicks fan, like, Chicken Little in me that I always try to fight. I mean, I clown the Chicken Little Knicks fans, but are you worried a little about that? Like, are you worried about kind of just... You know that that jumper, at least the mid range part, because I kind of believe the three is legit, but I don't know about like his that mellow shot that he's like pretty much built his game around the season. What do you what do you think? I'm not as worried about him, quote unquote, coming back down to earth because he has that work ethic now that you know that's that's Mamba like. And if mm. he decides to take a step back and kind of cool down this summer and not do that kind of level of of work. Uh, to prepare for the season, then I'd be worried. My my worry that I have that's a little bit bigger than that is whether or not he'll be able to play every single game this season. Like year one Tibbs versus year two Tibbs, I think it could be vast. It could be different as far as how many games and God forbid injuries, you know, things like that. That's like those minutes from last season. It was his very first season, so yeah, maybe he didn't play a role. But you know, Tibbs year two, Tibbs year three, those minutes start to pile up, and at that point. Injuries that is is inevitable. You know, we almost point, almost yeah. guaranteed if you keep piling on those kinds of minutes. Facts and like that's why like I don't even recall if this is offline, but I was saying how like I'm glad that Julius isn't doing the Olympics. That's for a selfish reason. That's why I'm glad he's just gonna be able to rest and like, congrats to him. His him and his wife are expecting their second child, mm. so like you know it's a good reason he's taking the summer off. But yep. your point about just like the minutes, like that kind of leads into our last kind of uh, award kind of commentary on. Yo, we yo, like side note, Knicks is just racking up awards, bro. It's crazy. But this is a good pivot because you mentioned minutes. I'm thinking about one rookie power forward we had that we thought would kind of take Randall's spot. I think the crucial thing to managing Randall's load next season is giving obviously Obi more minutes. Obi being our lotto pick of our rookie class, but not one that made a rookie team. That was quickly. We'll get to that. But how I guess you know we saw tips. He did change a little bit from his old stripes, you know what I mean? Like, you, they say, like, you can't, like, you know, fuck, I'm not even going to try to mess up the cliche, but, like... Teaching like, old dog he, new tricks? There you go. You know what I mean? He, he picked up some new things this season, but he's still kind of that rigid dude. But how likely, I guess, how confident are you that he'd be able to properly, like, juggle, like, OB and Randall's minutes next season? And I'm talking about, like, playing Randall as, like... Not Randall, playing um, OB as the rim-running five in small ball lineups, because that's what he... Yo... Obi eight in college in Dayton off being a rim-running center, you know what I mean? So if he bulks up enough to become a viable small ball center, I don't see why Tibbs wouldn't do that, but I don't know if he will because he just seems like a, tradi- a traditional kind of dude, you know what I mean? But how, how likely do you think that happens, and I guess how crucial do you think that is for just, like, our development as a team? Uh, I don't see that happening yet, you know. I don't think Obi mm. did step it up in the playoffs, but, you know, we know – we knew how – he played in Dayton and what got him successful. He wasn't really playing like that for the Knicks. And, yeah. you know, obviously the coaching staff would know way more than us what 
uh, what he did at Dayton that that helped him, you know, get to the level that he is, and they didn't play him like that. I don't think Obi w- will be good enough yet, you know, at least at least the first half of the season, uh, to be that guy to take off, you know, a lot of a lot of the load off Julius' shoulders. I think they're gonna need a, a scorer on that team before Obi, um, you know, to to really help Randall out. That that's really what they're missing right now, man. Scoring for me is is what's gonna help uh, Randall off because he he got plays with the responsibility of getting majority of the points you know game and game out obviously rj's there too um and hopefully he levels up but i think uh i think that minute concern is always going to be there because what Tibbs seems to prioritize the most is getting the w and you know mm. <laughs> playoffs aren't guaranteed we we made the playoffs this season I, we, we're knicks fans we know playoffs are not guaranteed and Tibbs knows that as well and he's going to get the most out of his guys every single game and the way he did it last season he he's going to he's going to do it again this season i don't see any reason why we shouldn't think that he wouldn't be doing that like minute restriction will only be an issue once games are missed and Randall thankfully only missed one game but god forbid he starts missing more games um, or or gets a gets an injury i i think he's going to keep it going okay i mean you're right. I mean, obviously, let's hope we get a score. Of... That's it. Let's just hope we get a score. We're getting dropped twenty twenty five. It's not even. Yeah, we need a score above all. But like generally, I feel like we know we need shooting. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. know we need. We just need. Honestly, Mitch being back will help a lot too. Like that was a, he was a key part of our big man rotation. Yeah. If, like, there's no reason Tosh should even be out there playing crucial minutes if like uh, Mitch continues to progress. You know what I mean? Uh, Obi progresses so. Um, I guess to close out this episode, we can just rant about how stupid it is that quickly was not even all NBA first team for rookie, not all all rookie first team, because I mean we the, RJ got left off last year, it was dumb, which kind of maybe set me up to like not be as pissed about this quickly shit this year. But regardless, it's so dumb that he make the first team, bro. I think Deshaun Tate made first team. Are you kidding me? Did he? Yeah, let me see this shit. Hold on, <laughs> I got yeah. I got pissed when I saw Tyrese Halliburton. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop reading this. Hold up. Oh, I want to be sure too. Yes, <laughs> I just put you. Know, I just put in Google NBA All Rookie First Team 2021, and the first Google highlighted result comes up is Deshaun Tate was named to the All Rookie First Team. Even Google was in disbelief, bro. Yeah, my bad. My my headphones yeah. started bugging out. Um, yeah, Jay Sean, Jay Sean Tate. Bro, my whole screen is bugging out. <laughs> Bro, my, yeah, mine too. <laughs> you were like, oh, yeah. holy shit! You were going all over the place. I was like, what is yeah, going my. Yeah. On? That's like that's like some purge shit, bro. Sean that's Tate like is the Matrix. Is that what that's it? like some shit that happens before the purge? Bro, dead ass. <laughs> I was expecting like the White House fucking logo to show up on the computer screen, like, <laughs> a Ru- Russian missile inbound. Like, oh god damn. Um, oh man, that's like that's some joker. That's some joker shit. We can edit. That, uh, right? we'll see. Anyway, Jay Sean Tate apparently uh, played for the Rockets. He he had some okay <laughs> games, I guess. Um, but apparently he he had it better than than fucking IQ, which is bullshit. Everyone else on that team, I understand. You know, Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, obviously Sadiq Bay killed it this season. Tyrese Halliburton is, you know, not better than IQ, but he had an okay, you know, rookie season. Um, I go front. Yeah, yeah. quickly should just take Tate's part spot. You know what I mean? Like just looking at that list, you could even argue he he deserves it over Sadiq Bay, and like no knock at Sadiq Bay, but Sadiq like numbers. Sadiq was, was, I think I saw the numbers out there put in an article that I read, but basically it comes down to IQ was generating most of his points by himself, you know what I mean? Creating his own offense. Sadiq Bey was basically Danny Green out there, you know what I mean? A 3 and D wing that was yeah. being spoon-fed. And he was doing good shit with what he was being fed, but IQ is a creator, or he's, a, he's a, on the verge of becoming a good one. And what he showed his rookie year, bro, I don't know, man, like... I'm not gonna be like super pissed about it. And it was six about it, votes. It's, it's yeah, it was six like, votes, and so like dumb. IQ was super effective in under 20 minutes a game. He played like 19 points something, you know, <clears throat> which is like we know as fans watching the game every single game. Whenever he came in, he he made an impact, and 
you know, especially as a guy who got drafted so late in the, so late in the draft, he he made an impact, and it it sucks to see. But at least at the minimum, whatever he he got a second round pick. Uh, he got he got all rookie second team. If that helps him, if that helps push him the way it helped push RJ, I'm with it. Yeah, and I think IQ from all we heard about him, reputation wise, he's a hard ass worker too. Um, we still have Kenny Payne on the staff, so I wouldn't be surprised if IQ after seeing the the rookie list just hit him up and like, yo, you want to mm-hmm. be the gym in five? You know what I mean? Like, he seems like the type. So, all in all, you know what I mean? Like a good haul for our Knicks. You know what I mean? A good ass season and like a beautiful way to kind of top it off these awards. You know what I mean? So, shouts to Tibbs. Shout yep. out to uh, Julius Randle. Shout to IQ. Yeah, shout out to Leon Rose. He got he was uh, I think at the third or fourth most votes for NBA Executive of the Year. Obviously, James Jones deserved it, just simply for getting Chris Facts. Paul. Just Facts. that one signing alone was enough <laughs> to get him Executive of the Year. But Leon Rose, shout out to that boy, man. Whoops, uh, sorry, sir. Uh, he. Uh, <laughs> Hey, don't be sleeping with the fishes next week. I'm gonna have to find a new host. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, yeah, top top to bottom, it's it's a good feeling. I just hope that they keep it up next season. Um, any uh, my, my bad. Um, I guess you want we, we talk about the off season yep. plans yep. next yep. episode. What do you think? Yep. Good to we got the on. NBA draft lottery happened. I did not know it was happening until I saw the results. It was. A, f- a fucking uh, like refreshing ass change to not have to worry about the lottery for once. Um, but shout out to the Pistons. They uh, they gave us D Rose, and in return they got the number one pick. So you know, good for them. To they about to get Dennis Smith right. out of there, bro. They got Killian Hayes. Now they about to get Cade Hunt Cunningham. <laughs> ain't no ain't no ain't no room in that point guard like yeah. rotation anymore, bro. I feel bad for DSJ, but he'll kill it in China next year with Alfred Payton. They about to be the new D Wade and uh, LeBron over there. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Nickish. Make sure you follow us on all podcasting platforms and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel also at Nickish Show. Um, until next time, take care, everyone. Peace.